0: You need Indeed.
1: Drafting a super flex puppy over on underdog. That's what we're going to be talking about today on Steel of Bananas. I'm Ben from a newsletter at BenGretchen.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his great work at Rotovision. Sean, we're drafting in the new puppy over on underdog. These drafts can start so quick that we are already underway. We drew the 102, Josh Allen went 101. We're kind of indifferent on what to do at quarterback there. It's a pretty big tier. After that, you broke the tie for us to grab Lamar Jackson 102, which we, we've talked a lot about Jackson and Kyler sort of having the most upside really of this top tier and, and being sort of unfairly, towards the back of that group, I think Jackson at 102 makes quite a bit of sense.
2: Yeah, all of those rushing numbers and for listeners who followed along to our NFC breakdown and heard Ben discuss his projection for Trey Lance this year and some of the numbers that Lamar Jackson has put up in the past. When you look at the rushing upside here, I think that you have to take a rushing QB, especially one that is that well established and has that much upside over what we're seeing from Patrick Mahomes from Justin Herbert and I really like the tournament winning upside that he provides he can get up there in that 30 point per game range and definitely be a player who puts up even more than that on any multi-game stretch picked out we were would be hoping in this case those happened in the fantasy playoffs then the next interesting thing that we see here is that a number of non-QBs have also gone off early, in Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, and Christian McCaffrey.
1: Yeah, and, Jeff, and Justin Jefferson right behind them in picks three through six all went away from QB. I think in these super flexes, I mean those are obviously great picks, but that's a that's a. If I'm at the 109 and getting Patrick Mahomes there, I'm probably doing backflips. I mean that's a really nice start
2: it's uh been an interesting start you and i talked about when we did uh, a super flex draft over with the ffpc and their tournament that they have going on we got stuck in the 11th position i believe and did not have the opportunity to take an elite qb so we went with one of the big time running backs one of the interesting things that we're Seeing in this draft is that some of the top wide receivers have still gone. I don't necessarily think that that's an issue, but the super flex position, by my reading of the format, does come out of that third wide receiver slot. So the receiver heavy nature of some of these other drafts maybe will not continue here, or at least perhaps shouldn't be quite as much in evidence since you're going to have the two QBs and then you can play three running backs with only needing to play two wide receivers in a half PPR format.
1: Right. So there's two required running backs, two required receivers, a flex and a super flex. Typically, that super flex is going to be another quarterback. We see Travis Kelsey go off the board at the one two turn. The rest of the, and Jamar Chase also went off late in the first. The rest of the picks so far have been quarterbacks. We're up to the 204. Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott were the last two quarterbacks. Tom Brady goes off the board at 204. We talked a lot about Lance and liking him. It's not looking like he's going to make it back to us. It would have been pretty fun to start with Lance in the second round here. Eckler goes 205, and we're five picks away with Lance as the next best quarterback. So seemingly going to miss out on that. Going to have some interesting choices at the 2-3 turn with no real huge position player values either. Sort of that late first grouping from single QB drafts and Lance does go off the board as well Stephon Diggs, who would have been probably my favorite non QB on the board there what are we thinking as we're three picks away the quarterbacks you have in the queue here are Derek Carr and Justin Fields you've got Derek Henry Devontae Adams DeAndre Swift in the queue it's not looking like a very exciting queue right now
2: oh we need to add some more flair to it well let's uh Let's put Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers in there. Either of those names get you. in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Stafford quickly goes off the board. We are one pick away. Najee Harris has gone off. You you are interested in Derek
2: Henry here. Well, I mean, is this not a half PPR format in which he would be the absolute crushing player? So Ben, he goes, we get back here. We have 20 seconds. We're going to have to rush this. But. We know that a two QB build in Superflex in these type of tournaments will work, so we don't necessarily have to take one. We can take one. Justin Fields is here. He might come back around. DeAndre Swift. Who's your preference? Let's go Swift. You got him pulled up. Oh, let's see if you get that in. Yep, yeah, we
1: did. That's uh, uh, half a
2: second. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's. Uh, I, I like your points about not needing quite as much wide receiver firepower. Getting a, a high end running back here, I think, makes a lot of sense. And we can take one of the QBs on the way back, probably. What were you saying about the two QBs? So only taking two
2: and not going to three is been effective in this format. In similar formats, and so if we wanted to take a Justin Fields here, if we think that he gives us that much additional firepower, we could stay with just the two guys. We can obviously always take a player later if we like. CD Lamb, D- Debo Samuel, have that. I like I like the Both elite receiver. If you're comfortable with that, let's go with an elite receiver here. So then I don't have really any CD lamb at this point. He's been very expensive in drafts. The most recent draft I did, he went at the one Oh six. I'm definitely not selecting him there, but the way that this draft fell, I think it was a really fun place to take him. Yeah. I think that
1: made a lot of sense. Swift and lamb winds up being our two, three turn choices to, to pair with Jackson. Obviously the pick of Jackson at 102 is a pick on him being an absolute superstar. And so the super flex element I mean, we're going to want to fill that with another quarterback whenever possible, but when you have that good of a,
2: a QB one, I like the shots at the other positions. And immediately after our pick, Aaron Rodgers, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins go. So two more of those QBs as we head back around into round three. Cook also coming off there. He's been the preference between Cook and Kamara for most drafters this offseason. Do you think that the difference between those two players in terms of ADP is justified?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with you know the suspension risk on on Camara. Cook's been a tough one. I've seen a, some some pro arguments for him. I can definitely see a big season for him, but I I mean I I'm a little concerned about health and age. He's had some you know everybody's sort of injury prone until they're not anymore, but he's had some some issues over the years. It's a big swing type of pick it's not one that i've been super excited about but i've def i've made in some some of these co-managing situations where my partner's excited about him that he didn't seem to be a guy that you were particularly on you were highlighting some players behind him in adp
2: right and i do think that there is quite a bit of upside there it's going to be one of the most interesting offenses to see how it develops a very I don't say think controversial is exactly the right word, but it could go in so many different directions in terms of how it actually plays out if they're able to unlock the receivers a little bit more and create even more room for him. I don't necessarily think that we've seen the best yet from Dalvin Cook on an individual play basis, whether he can hold up to the type of workload that he would need to even justify these somewhat discounted prices is a little bit of a different question. So he does come off the board. Alvin Kamara, Kyle Pitts, Leonard Fournette in this stretch of round four as we're heading back to our pick at the 411. Justin Fields still here.
1: Yeah, that would be kind of a smash. He will play DeAndre Swift in week 17, so we get a little correlation there. We're two picks away now. Keenan Allen comes off the board. It would be pretty exciting to get Fields here at 411.
2: And then do you have a preference on some of these running backs? Nick Chubb, I do think is undervalued in this format. Javante Williams, you've mentioned that you're not that concerned. Ooh, Melvin Gordon. So he's we get available. Back. James is about-
1: available. Go for I, it. I want I want to take fields. I mean, I, I love the, the little correlation with DeAndre Swift in week 17. He made it all the way back to us. Jameis Winston went off the board. Chubb went off it. I want to get more on your thoughts on him being undervalued in this format. I don't think I've ever heard you say Nick Chubb and undervalued in the same sentence. As far as the running backs, my hope would be that Javante Williams swings back around. He's the guy that I still want that I think has the massive upside. We've talked a lot about him. I think this off season where, you know, I've been reading into them, letting Melvin Gordon sit on the market for long enough as a, as a sign that they are comfortable with with Williams as sort of the star and, and that he can, he can grow into that. Maybe not from week one, but certainly throughout
2: the year. And you like him even with James Conner also available here who has pretty ridiculous expected point upside. Yep. That would be the move for me. You like Conner more there? Well, I'm, I'm coming back around to this idea that, and not necessarily even coming back around, but I think that his, the gap between Conner and Fournette, I think is greater than what the, actual expected points for both of those guys will be this season in terms of what their workload is. Anytime that we do either pass on James Conner or select James Conner, discuss James Conner, then we do have to note that Eno you know, Benjamin is getting some buzz. So why would you take James Conner here when you can just take Eno you know, Benjamin in the last round?
1: Right. I mean absolute superstar running back behind him. What are you going to do? But Daryl Williams is the one that's been shooting up draft boards. That's been kind of funny. I don't know if I need to ask your opinion on that but I uh have thought of you as I've seen that Daryl Williams has risen several rounds in in draft equity.
2: Well, I'm very proud of, of Daryl Williams because he's someone who doesn't have NFL talent and yet has been willing to play so hard, to practice so hard and to execute so precisely to make so few mistakes that he is in the NFL and may play a big role in the Cardinals' passing game. And so, you know, we're not necessarily on him for fantasy but as someone who has so, overperformed their talent level i mean darren williams deserves just all the applause that you can give him i mean that's it's a great underdog story it's a great human story i'm I'm excited for what he's done and, and if he breaks out with the cardinals you know we won't have a ton of him but we'll be very excited for him he seems like such a cool dude there's no one who gives a better backhanded compliment or insult i don't know what to even call that
1: that you but you that's not would- one
2: of those things it's just i'm very proud of him at. because he's not an nfl talent but he's stuck at the nfl level as a- but again i mean that's <clears throat> i mean i'm not a an atp tour level tennis player if i had managed to get some matches out there i would be very proud of myself for doing that but I was not able to or but get the in same, the same vicinity. In terms. Of your faces, I don't wanna I don't know, wanna honestly. give people the, the, the impression that I was like a match or two away as like thousands of matches away. So anyway, Ben, as we come back to here, I love Daryl Williams. We're not drafting him. <laughs> we have some receivers coming off the board in Michael Pittman, Jalen Waddell, Marquise Brown, Cortland Sutton, Deontay Johnson. That's kind of the stretch that we see go off in that range in every draft. Yep, yeah, and we are gonna be
1: Maybe a little bit lighter receiver. We do have Lamb already on board. Deontay is the one that would have loved to see come back again. Talk about that week 17 correlation. We took Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Pitt week 17. Would have been a nice little bet there. If Lamar has the monster week 17, you would expect Deontay catches a lot of balls, but just didn't really line up with where we are on the complete opposite turn. He goes at 601. We would have had to draft him well before that, a full round before that. But we have. Some other ways that we can maybe bring in Pittsburgh into our build, maybe Fryermouth later, maybe George Pickens later. You have now added DK Metcalf, George Kittle, Brees Hall to our uh, queue. I mean, I think Kittle, we talked about him on our recent, you know, interesting teams to project episode from the NFC. We talked about San Francisco. There's some real challenges, but his ADP has gotten really, really tantalizing. I think you can still get the potential elite tight end upside. There are only so many tight ends that can put up a week like a George Kittle can, and he goes two picks before us.
2: He does. And that is unfortunate because as you mentioned, you want that tournament winning upside. It's the $5 entry and a $50,000 grand prize. So that's uh, pretty tantalizing to think that $5 could turn into 50 grand here. Then we are back up. DK Metcalf, I think, undervalued the quarterback yep. situation. Not going to kill him. But also a chance for us to do sort of a modified hyper-fragile taking Brees Hall. And then Rashad Bateman, someone that I think is also undervalued, could go with Lamar Jackson. we got six seconds.
1: I'm good with any of them. You, you make, the, make the call. Metcalf, uh, I'm completely with you on him being undervalued. So that's who we wind up with there. The reason I'm good with any of them, Bateman's a nice stack option with with Jackson, obviously. and may be required, but also we could go Metcalf-Hall and they play each other in Week 17. That's Seattle-Jets game. Probably not going to be super exciting, but would be an interesting way to build a little bit of Week 17 correlation into our lineup. And Bateman does go with the turn, so I really like going back now to Hall and getting that Seattle-Jets uh, correlation for Week
2: 17. And you think that the Jets could jump on top with three early Brees Hall touchdowns that force the Seahawks to be very aggressive in the passing game. Yeah, and then you're just throwing it up to DK Metcalf all day. It's a very nice little, uh,
1: a little correlation, those two. I mean, the odds that that game shoots out are low, but we don't know a whole lot. And that's sort of the whole point with the Week 17 correlation stuff. So if they're picks that you actually like, There's, I mean, it's just an added benefit where they're playing each other. And for one of them to hit, something fun has to happen in this game a little bit. A lot of things can happen in football games, even between offenses that are not very fun. And and these these are probably not going to be super fun offenses. But you got to have the big week 17 score. That's where so much of the the equity is in these big best ball tournaments.
2: Now, Ben, the next one here, and the only reason I'm asking you about him is because It seems like he could undergo a massive ADP crash. There are some concerns that JK Dobbins will not be ready for the early part of the season. Most of the things that I have been seeing suggest that the Ravens are very excited about how has his rehab has been going and that he's going to be the focal point of this offense. But there have been some sound bites from recent workouts where, you know, the coaching staff obviously would love to have these guys out on the field. For me, there's almost this little bit of a dynamic where Dobbins, I expect to be healthy and to contribute, even if it's a little bit limited in the first month, which I guess I'm not necessarily projecting, but if it is, you can overcome that. The fact that Gus Edwards, you know, probably, if he's in a situation where he's also a little bit limited, then for me, Dobbins could end up with more work even than we're kind of expecting. And that's within the context where there are gonna be so many rushing attempts in this Ravens offense that I'm not even sure the second and third running backs really matter because you don't want Dobbins to carry that many times.
1: Yeah. I like that. I'm, I'm very comfortable with the Lamar Dobbins stack. I mean, I think part of the Lamar pick is simply that the Ravens will get back to a very functional offense that I think correlates with Dobbins upside, even though they, you know, they're, they're both of their upside is, is very much on the rushing side, but it could be, we know from the past few seasons when they were at their best, it could be a very, very good rushing attack, obviously.
2: Do any of these QBs interest you? If we decide to go for a third quarterback, I was going to ask about Matt Jones. Mac Jones. He goes right there. He's the player I expect to have a second year breakout. The rest of the names now are pretty unappealing. Now with Jones, the issue was that he probably isn't going to add the rushing value to... Make him a strong play unless he really blows up as a passer, which that requires Jacoby Myers and Tyquan Thornton and Devontae Parker to probably play extremely well. The rest of these guys, until we get down into really the rookies now, I think are probably undraftable. Is there anyone in there that you want us to keep in mind? No, No, I think at this point you're at a tier like you you kind of are implying you're at
1: a tier where. The cost after Mac Jones doesn't make a lot of sense here in, in the, the eighth round of a Superflex draft. You can make a similar bet in the 20th if you want to, or the 18th if you want to add
2: an additional quarterback to your build. Now, the position that we haven't added yet and is going to play a little bit more of a role because one starting position essentially gets taken away by that Superflex is the tight end. Currently, the board here by ADP, Knox, Ertz, Muth, Gasicki. I don't know that any of those players would necessarily make me want to select them ahead of a Dobbins or a Drake London, who is currently the top wide receiver that we have in our queue. I'm with you on Dobbins for sure. Uh, and I, I want London
1: the only argument I'd make it tight end for the reasons you just said about the value of, of the position as well is the, again, I'm going to go back to week 17 correlation, but I would certainly, if we got Dobbins here on the swing back, it might make sense to lock up Friar Muth because we are, you know, we're betting Lamar and, and Dobbins. We'd like a little bit of exposure to the Steelers, I think.
2: With the news that it doesn't look like it will be Pickett at the beginning does that push you higher or lower on the skill position players?
1: I think a little bit higher, but I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm hoping that one of those two gives them uh decent quarterback play. And they're obviously going to switch between them if, if either of them is bad. So you have Trubisky and Pickett. And I, I think the way that I'm looking at it is that we're, we're sort of hoping that, they land on a guy for a stretch that plays decent quarterback. So London is still there. If you want to go there and, and risk it with Firemouth, I'm comfortable with that. I mean, London is a very nice pick at this point. We did take Dobbins at 8-11. Sort of making that argument for Friarmouth. I don't think it's a net, like, I do I do want to dip into Pittsburgh, but uh, we can go there with, with, uh, with Pickens later or, you know, other, there's other ways.
2: No, I do think that because of where we are specifically right now in the draft, that there's still a decent chance that Fryar Muth falls. The right. fact that Gronkowski is no longer really in the discussion makes it a little bit less likely. But I, I think that we're going to have running back, wide receiver come off the board in the interim. Gasicki, someone we can also look at from a, a scoring perspective, and then we have Albert O. Oh. Gerald Everett and Noah Fant, obviously available very late. I guess the only reason that I wouldn't push for Fryermouth, who is one of my favorite guys, is one of my favorite guys last year. I'm concerned the offense isn't going to support players beyond Deontay Johnson to the level that they're still being drafted. They may fall a little bit more. And then just the depth at the tight end position. This may be a draft where we actually are, are more comfortable going with just the late guys. I've been taking three tight ends in some of the best bell mania three drafts even though there are some trade-offs obviously in an 18 round draft when you take three guys what do you think about the
1: what do you think about the correlation stuff as it relates to our commitment to baltimore right now and the size of these playoff fields we want a significant week 17 upside we're expecting essentially lamar and and jk dobbins to be Baltimore to be out ahead, to be running effectively, to, to be hopefully scoring touchdowns in the first half on the ground, and then potentially pushing Pittsburgh into a very pass-heavy outcome in their on their side of things. I don't I think when we draft together, you're not as concerned about the stacks, I, I would say, as when
2: I draft with uh, our buddies Pat and Pete over on ship chasing. So I'm kind of curious just broadly, what what are your thoughts? I'm probably not as motivated in that direction but i do think that it's important i think it's important to get those players at good prices and so i'm always looking at the stacks and the correlations that you can create not only with below adp in your particular draft but players that i think are not actually uh, sitting at sort of false adps because they're so trendy and the stacks are so trendy that it continues to kind of elevate all of the players within that group i think that we want to Definitely focus on making sure that we make the playoffs as many teams as we can get in. Then that element will give us more chances if we end up not chasing a few of these player combinations and then have a unique team as we progress through the tournament. I think that that really can help us. I also think that the main thing as we're trying to get into week 17 and let the power of our elite team work, we want to make sure that if there are opportunities to really benefit from the game environment in week 16 again to maximize the teams that we have in the finals that's something that i'm also looking at so it's just a mix there i want to make sure that the number one thing that we do is build a good structure and draft players who have asymmetrical upside at their adp within that if we can especially get some of these sort of stealth stacks or stealth correlation plays i do really like that dynamic
1: and we did get that with Baltimore's week 16
2: opponent Atlanta
1: by grabbing Drake London there. So that was a very nice call.
2: Then we're moving into the middle of round 10. Friarmouth is still there. That's a lot of fun. How are you feeling about the depth or the players available at running back or wide receiver? AJ Dillon, I have in the queue. He's the top running back sitting there. Sky Moore, a very interesting Kansas City Chiefs player that I always try and have some price discipline with myself on because otherwise i could end up with way too much of him chris olave who we focused on in our last show where we talked about nfc uh, difficult projections he goes there at the 10.09 we do have the four running backs even with this being a little bit more running back heavy i don't know that we necessarily need to load up more at that position at this particular moment in round 10 your guy pat fryermuth is here is this the slam dunk pick
1: I think he's an, a really nice pick here. And then I also really like of the names you said Sky Moore at this juncture because we do have four running backs, only three receivers. You know, we, you, you kind of laid it out at the beginning. We don't need to be massively receiver heavy, but we do still want the receiver upside. And we do get the, the Week 17 correlation with Javante Williams. I'm just going to keep talking about the correlations.
0: <laughs> We're driven by the search for better.
2: LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss, and if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at lifeLock.com/aware. Terms apply. So then we've arrived back here, and Sky Moore is the the top guy available. When that becomes the case, uh, and we don't have a slam dunk pick now. We could go for Kareem Hunt. We could go for Devin Singletary. We have some other tight ends, but I I feel like you're going sky more.
1: Yeah, we're going we're going sky near. I think a nice easy pair of picks there that start to really help our uh, our correlation as well. The only pick thus far that we have not correlated in some capacity with their. Week 17 matchup is CD Lamb in, in the third round. So even though we're not trying to, too specifically, we now
2: have a player on each side of of several week 17 games. Very nice. Very nice. And just to remind listeners, we now have Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields at QB, DeAndre Swift, Javante Williams, Bryce, Bryce Hall, and JK Dobbins at running back, CD Lamb, DK Metcalf, Drake London, and Sky Moore receiver, Pat Fryer with tight end. Ben, this is in many ways one of my more balanced builds through the first 11 rounds how are you feeling about that team i'm
1: loving it i mean i i think the the young firepower running back is so fun swift javante Brees hall jk dobbins is just a really really fun four-man group we have both lamar and fields providing a ton of rushing upside we have lamb And Metcalf to kind of bookend our our receivers with two rookie receivers that we really like their upside, Drake London and Sky Moore. We already got a tight end that we like. We do need to get more tight end firepower, as you noted, but it is a very balanced build. Each of the different little position groups, the way that we've approached them is something I'm very excited about. It's a fun team so far.
2: Now, one of the things that we've mentioned on a few of the shows is playing both sides of that buffalo bills rushing attack it's not going to get back to us there but james cook goes at the 11 11 the previous three picks were kareem hunt melvin gordon cordero patterson so a nice little pocket of running back value all four of those guys would be potential players for me probably not gordon obviously in this particular draft this is another illustration of the way that there are these pockets of zero rb value as you move through the draft and if you, well, the, the next two that
1: are on the board here, Chase Edmonds and Rashad Penny, I think also fit in that group and could go pretty quick here as well. But I mean, I think at this point, Chase
2: Edmonds makes a lot of sense. I think at this point, Rashad Penny makes a lot of sense. Chase Edmonds definitely, although you could argue that his upside is neutralized a tiny bit in the half PPR format. In terms of Rashad Penny, are you, are you coming around to this Seahawks offense are you coming around or not coming around but just you're still excited about about the fact that Rashad Penny was you know one of the top two or three running backs in football last year how do you think that plays out with him and Walker now that we've had some time to kind of digest I think they're going to they be run
1: heavy I think the the little discount you get against Walker is a reasonable thing to take because I think they're both probably talented backs and there's multiple ways they could play out, but things could certainly go positively for Penny. So it's more just a, a price and player specific, not so much offense. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna run enough. But yeah, Penny was really good down the stretch last year. I mean,
2: that's that's the the short version and then just the the price point on that. So I almost don't want to bring up the wide receiver options that we're hoping come back around to us. At tight end, we have Albert O, Gerald Everett, Noah Fant. You looking at a two tight end build, a three tight end build, the fact that we're going with only the two QBs in a super flex draft here. And again, there are reasons to believe that that will work. Does that make you a little bit more interested in in taking three of the tight ends or do you have a specific target that you want us to kind of navigate our way toward?
1: I'm definitely comfortable going through tight ends here. And no, I don't really have a specific target in mind. Uh, Albert O is at the top of our queue right now. And I think makes a lot of sense again with Javante and Sky Moore, and already kind of betting on this Denver, Kansas city week 17 game a little bit. I'm just, again, I'm just going to keep talking about week 17.
2: (laughs) This is becoming the week 17 show, the week 17 show. And speaking of that, perhaps my most, well, perhaps my favorite, week 17 matchup that's a tiny bit more below the radar is one here between the Atlanta Falcons and the Arizona Cardinals.
1: I, I, the, the name you didn't want to
2: say one of the names you didn't want to say was Rondell Moore. I am very much on board. So we take more at the 12-11. Again, this is a super flex draft. He gives us that year two leap upside We took a couple of rookies. We have some established superstars in CeeDee Lamb and DK Metcalf. Then we hadn't been able to select a year-two leap guy yet and being able to get more there. He's someone who is always just going ahead of where I want to take him, even though I'm very high on him. It's such a relief to finally get him in a draft. That's the first time you've taken him? It's one of the first times. Now, we're back on the clock. We have 20 seconds. We've got these three tight ends. We just did a show where we talked about Jarvis Landry as being a potential wide receiver. Is he someone that you like in this format? Well, I think him or Albert O are the picks here. I'd go either way. So we'll take Landry, and now we're gambling a little bit on Albert O coming back around, but his ADP is quite a bit lower. He is someone who has fallen because Pat's favorite prospect from the 2022 NFL draft, Greg Dulcich, has been generating puff pieces out of Denver as if he is the second coming of Evan Ingram or Aaron Hernandez or, well, I mean, there aren't that many tight ends who came out and had massive rookie seasons, especially not guys who were drafted outside the range that Kyle Pitts went out. I've been trying to continue to move down the price at which i am willing to load up on albert O. but i do think that there is potential for a lot of two tight end sets in this offense these guys a little bit different albert oh one of the most athletic tight ends in the entire nfl he was fantastic on a per route basis last year you consider what they had at quarterback last year and what they're going to have this year with russell wilson it's very hard for me to not get exposure to both of these guys but especially when we know kind of what the arc tends to be for tight ends and i would never let that push me off of a guy I actually thought was going to score huge points in a season. The player who, you know, just did that with Cup. I mean, you wouldn't let that push him off him, but we're tending to look at tight ends, probably scoring more points in year two, Albert O a guy who has the experience where he could be a breakout star of the 2022 season.
1: Yeah. But I like what you said about trying to get better prices on him as we have been hearing more about Dulcich the guy who just went off was Cole Komet. We didn't have in our queue. Did
2: we just miss him, or are you? That was sort of a him? mistake on my part. Uh, okay. I I don't know if he wasn't quite in the range there that I was looking at, or I missed him. He's someone else, especially with the
1: fields, yeah, fields.
2: And it, it, I was trying to convince Pat to to select Justin Fields in a draft that we were doing, and failed. But one of the things that I came across as I was doing my Justin Fields puff piece research which does need to be a a big part of your fantasy offseason also more puff pieces on Cole Komet he's another fantastic option for this year
1: yeah I mean now that you have that response I'm I feel like we missed one there because we probably aren't going to be stacking fields late in this draft with like a Velas Jones or any of his receiving options Uh, Komet would have made for a nice pairing and
2: really one of the only ways that makes sense to Pair Fields. But Fields is a guy, too, where I think that you can play him solo. And I like these players, and I'm kind of loading up on players where I do feel like you can play them solo. And because their stack options are not compelling to drafters, I think that that's also knocking down their sort of standalone prices. And one of the things that we saw here is we were able to get Justin Fields in a super flex draft later than we thought. I still like that element of it. I think that Justin Fields, you had mentioned that. Uh, Trey Lance is going to rush for a huge number of yards this season. I think Justin Fields is actually going to rush more, too. One of the things that I was reading is that when they initially came in, they were trying to get him to throw on this clock. They quickly realized that he has much more of a Russell Wilson type of game where he needs to extend plays, use that elite downfield accuracy, use that outside-the-pocket rushing ability. They needed to learn that? Well, I mean, that part of it isn't great. But the fact that they actually made that switch – Pretty quickly, as opposed to what happened last year with your favorite head coach. That seems I mean, I was
1: pulling me. my hair out saying that every week on,
2: <laughs> on stealing
1: bananas. I'm glad that they've noticed that. Yes. So we are back up, and the top players in our queue now are both tight ends. Alberto did go, but we have Gerald Everett and no Fant to fall back on. I'm comfortable with both. Fant does add that that stack ability with uh with DK Metcalf and Brees Hall we already have a couple pieces of that game but I don't mind just getting a piece of the Chargers as well I mean I don't think you have to leave your draft without any of them just to make sure to overly stack the the Seahawks
2: and, and Jets that doesn't probably compute so you're saying don't draft exclusively Seahawks and Jets in your drafts yeah I mean I think the whole Metcalf thing can play out favorably but I don't I mean I, I think it gets
1: harder to see when it's Hall, Metcalf, and fan. <laughs> now, now we need the Seahawks to throw for 300 yards.
2: So then a player who is falling due to the Deshaun Watson fallout has been David Bell. I actually think it makes more sense for Amari Cooper to fall. I'm still very much on this David Bell breakout season. I think that in many ways he should be the guy who is a little bit sort of quarterback agnostic he's going to be able to perform in a variety of contexts do you like him here we have some running backs who are coming back around to us at a decent price in terms of tyrion davis price james robinson we discussed why we're not necessarily on him yeah let's go bell i'm I'm, i want to get as much of him as i can right now i agree
1: so that's a couple fun picks guys that we like don't necessarily you know correlate particularly well or whatever, but that's another reason why I don't mind, you know, some of the earlier picks we made with the correlation and stuff is you were talking about some of the benefits of potentially having unique rosters. If we hit on a guy like Everett or a guy like bell and that they're a real big producer coming down the stretch, but we have pieces of these other games and then we're adding those, you know, sort of one-offs.
2: I, I, I mean, I, you can see ways that, that can really play out. All right. So we're through 15 rounds in terms of our picks. We're in the middle of the 15th round here terms of other drafters marvin jones dj chark tyler higby the three most recent players to come off dj chark someone that i do have interest in in some drafts what are you seeing here from a big picture perspective and i'll switch the the view over so we can see sort of the most recent three rounds how do you think this draft is showing is shaping up overall
1: we're, we're deep at receiver, I think, now, even though we were a little bit slow. And it's one of the advantages of Superflex is is some of these Jarvis and Landry types, You know, there's not going to be as much hammering of the wide receiver as you get into the, the double-digit rounds. So you can kind of pick out your preferred receiver targets and, and build out a receiver room that's still pretty strong, even when you don't use the early picks at receiver. But getting Landry, getting Bell, getting Rondell more prior to that I think gave us some pretty good depth at receiver when you talked about the the situation where we might only need to be starting three most weeks. I'm sort of hoping because we want to be using two quarterbacks. I wonder, as I'm thinking big picture, we're, we're also sort of a hyper fragile running back build where we took four upside young running backs. We can add another running back. I think we can just make a bet on those four. It's a little bit tough because as you were saying with the receiver situation, you might want to be trying to flex a running back sometimes as part of the reason we were a little bit heavier there but i'm starting to to think about this possibility of adding both a third tight end and also potentially a third quarterback with one of these upside rookies or you know if there's a swing that we think we can make a quarterback
2: so Noah Fant goes off the board at the turn there that is frustrating for me because he really was someone I wanted to also add in. We did kind of want to have the three tight ends in a scenario where Friarmouth and Everett are guys we're excited by. We have them on a lot of rosters, but probably don't give us that individual game upside in quite the same way. Once you're looking at trying to progress through multiple rounds of the playoff format to have three guys who could potentially be the guy that week who helps get you through, I think that part of it is something you have to really strongly consider. I don't know that there's another tight end now that we would really look at, although we could take Trey McBride. We could take Dulcich in the last round Yeah, and, and play it that way. I'm not in love with uh, – or uh,
1: really, not even particularly fond of of uh, Austin Hooper, but he would give us that correlation with CeeDee Lamb. We could continue to build out our correlation. They play Dallas in Week 17. I, I wondered about him. Because he has been a high reception type of tight end, and they do have some question marks at wide receiver now. I know he's not your your favorite guy probably, but he would probably be the one that I would look at as a potential tack on or just going to tight ends. Are Are there any QBs? Have you clicked over to the QB
2: side yet? Well, Ben, I think we want to look at last QB in round. So pretty ugly there as you no. can see yeah. yeah in in round 18 and we are coming up here we are picking in one spot now we are on the clock running back has been fairly picked over we could select someone like a marlon Mack, who looks like he'll be the starter we could take a sony michelle Mack, Wandale robinson are probably the top guys here for me is this a Wandale team or a mac team I, th- I think it's a Wandale team.
1: I-, I-, I, can- I could see going either way. Probably a Mac team, but we were running low on the clock there, and Wandale was top of the queue, so it became a Wandale team. We we do have a decent rookie receiver contingent, and I think we had more depth at, at receiver, so maybe it would have made more sense
2: to to go Mac there. But now we're in a position we have two spots left, correct? Correct. Two spots left. We're back up so we can actually take Mac and then look at The depth tight end end or the depth QB in round 18, just kind of eyeballing it here. Any other running backs who jump out to you as more exciting?
1: No, I think Max is a good call. I mean, the the buzz right now is that he could be the starter. I think he's going to jump quite a bit in ADP if we continue to hear that, that slow little drum beat. It's not exciting, but there's certainly a positive element to where if he's going five rounds higher, as people are realizing in August that he might be the guy who gets 15 carries in week one it's a nice piece
2: to have in in a June draft. I think so as well. And before the injury, Mac actually a very dynamic running back, almost certainly undervalued. We think he could be much closer to hundred percent this year for me, more than Mac. And just thinking of him as a mediocre type of selection or player, it's that I don't think that Houston is going to be down there and scoring too many touchdowns. So there's a limit from that perspective, but I do like the player. I do like the price. As we look at round 18, you can you can always bet on Rob Gronkowski changing his mind. We can gamble on the idea that Malik Willis wins a starting job early enough to become interesting. I'll put Sam Howell in our queue just for good luck. I don't think we'll select him, but <laughs> a good luck charm for us this year. Oh, Matt Corral is still there? Matt Corral is, are you concerned that uh, they don't seem to like his uh, pre-snap work so far? They claim he's very good after the snap occurs. We know that in the NFL level, (laughs) reading things pre-snap does tend to be maybe the key to success. But again, he's got a lot of time to work through those things. Probably still, well, not probably, a much bigger talent at this point in terms of upside than Sam Darnold. He seemed to be overlooking Teddy Bridgewater, who somehow has gotten himself to the top of the player board here, I think in part because they're not showing ADP for any of the rest of these quarterbacks. Yeah,
1: I think the the only reason I like Corral is they're all very uncertain bets, but Sam Darnold is probably the most likely to play himself out of a job, and then Corral gets the opportunity. Probably we just go with the third tight end because we don't really need... The third quarterback, for sure. I think our two tight ends are certainly, you know, as sort of a tiebreak. It's like we we spent a lot less capital on on tight end than we did on quarterback. And even accounting for it being super flex, we took a a quarterback in, with the second overall pick, and then took Fields in the fourth, and then got two sort of tight ends that we like, as you noted, in Frymuth and Everett, but not strong strong upside plays um so i think i'm leaning towards the third tight end
2: but we do have 20 rounds oh ah, so again we're we're, <laughs> we're learning new things every day. that's that's perfect perfect yeah i mean i guess we're going a few different ways well in that case we should have selected lavisca chenault where were we on the chenault bandwagon
1: i think yeah with the 20 rounds we probably did want a fifth running back and so mac was a nice pick Uh, Wandell's still a good pick Visca's a good pick but Don't think we had to have him So now we do actually have three more picks We're (laughs) Rethinking on the fly We're at a two quarterback, five running back Eight receiver, two tight end build I don't, I mean I kind of think now it would be kind of nice to get a third QB And third tight end I don't know how much we need a Six receiver or a ninth
2: uh, Six running back or a ninth receiver But we can go either way with that in my opinion so we do come back around here to the 18, 19 turn. The draft has not stopped. Then I guess I would like to, with these extra picks, to take at least one more running back to give us that upside there. Sony Michel, Chris Evans, two guys we've looked at a lot. Yeah, I like them both. Do you?
1: Do you have a preference? Nope, I, I really am, am comfortable with both. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you went Evans. I think that's that probably would have been my preference. I, I'm coming around on him quite a bit. He was a pretty good pass catcher last year. I think he could have some standalone value. And then if Mixon were to miss time, there's no real reason he can't beat out P. Ryan. Do you want to go McBride here? That's
2: probably the direction I'm leaning. I was going to make a joke about Austin Hooper and that you had... Uh, He's already to- gone. He got drafted like four rounds ago. He's a superstar. I saw him go. Austin Hooper is someone I was surprised to discover the other day that he is at the very bottom of my rankings. Which I was looking at that and thinking maybe I need to update these because Austin Hooper is still showing up. We allow ourselves to, <laughs> we allow ourselves to time out because Trey McBride is who we wanted at the top of the queue. That works out nicely. We gave ourselves the full thirty seconds to more or less just chat, but also consider other options. Uh, we have the three tight ends now. Even with Zach Ertz being the guy, I just think you have to gamble on Trey McBride having this opportunity with DeAndre Hopkins, missing the first six weeks. Again, I mean, that's they don't play the same position. They're not going to run the same routes. But the Cardinals are going to need to design plays within the offense during this stretch to take advantage of their playmakers. McBride's someone who, to me, still looks like one of the more undervalued players across all formats of fantasy.
1: Yeah, it's the same bet as Rondell Moore too. For what you just said about Hopkins being out and designing some plays, and we have more. I kind of like the correlated bets. Maybe there's this possibility that Hopkins comes back, isn't you know, fully in shape, or or ends up getting hurt. Um, maybe or that Ertz misses some time, and it creates an opportunity for both Moore and McBride to be a big part of the offense. Their ceiling cases, I think, are similar, and so even though they might overlap a little bit as they're trying to kind of be this additional piece in the offense when when Hopkins is back in there and Marquise Brown and and James Connor are key pieces of the offense there can be chaos right and there is I think some correlation between things that could lead to their upside scenarios so I kind of like that it does make me we never did stack Lamar Jackson with a pass catcher we have J.K. Dobbins but it does make me you know, go all the way back to the first round and say, man, eh, the way this played out, it probably would have been nice to have Kyler at the top.
2: It would have been nice. And I think he's also one of the more undervalued players across formats this season. One of the problems that you do have, if you are emphasizing the stack with Lamar Jackson is that you have more limited options. If you miss on those guys and we just missed on Rashad Bateman, when we were like one pick away, then you're not going to be able to play it out. Whereas with Kyler Murray, There's a lot more flexibility and that flexibility keeps you from reaching, keeps you from feeling pressure, keeps you from making mistakes that then have cascade effects as you go throughout your draft. Keep that in mind as you're looking at some of these QBs early along the way. But like I said, one of the reasons that I'm on Jackson on fields, I think those guys can be played empty. And I like that approach as well. We have one more pick here and the player that we select probably will not contribute a lot, but there are guys who factor into their offenses. Justin Ross is, is always a fun pick to make. Brian Edwards generating some buzz with the Falcons. We're into a situation here where guys like Kenyon Drake and James White are going to see the field. Logan Romeo Thomas to go, duh, duh. And yes, we do have Romeo. We need to put him in the, the queue for good luck too. <laughs> I meant to pick him. Put oh. him in the queue to pick him. We need to put him in the queue to be like, oh, at the last second, then which pick do you want? Oh, we didn't quite get it. <laughs> I like Haskins here. Hassan Haskins, who you have
1: in the in the queue to get that. Oh, did we already take our sixth running back? We did take six running backs. We did take Chris Evans, so maybe we don't need a seventh there. You're liking Malik Willis as an upside swing at QB. I, I'm I'm very comfortable with
2: that. corral went i think that there's there's a lot of excitement there it's hard for me actually to see a scenario where this team wins without lamar jackson or justin fields being the engine that runs it i could see a situation where hassan haskins falls into a very big workload scores a lot of points down the stretch one of the reasons why kind of balancing Running back and wide receiver in this particular format the way the flexes work and where we started out with sort of the modified type of hyper fragile but then we're very wide receiver heavy and we like our receivers we definitely don't need another receiver so at this point i think it does come down to whether or not we want to take this pure flyer on willis that probably doesn't play out or whether we want to add ourselves another running back we saw how running backs who were drafted in this range in 2021 became the drivers for tournament titles. I'm willing to go either way.
1: Yeah. Let's go Haskins. That was, I mean, you're willing to go either way, but you, you, you made a pretty good case for taking, (laughs) taking Haskins there. And I do like it. Now we got the, the CD lamb correlation. I was so worried about Hassan Haskins, 25 carries 150 yards. CD lamb comes back 15 targets, 12 catches that Titans, Dallas game will be our
2: key and I mentioned that the the correlations and the stacks that I maybe have a little bit less of an emphasis where I'm emphasizing it in just a slightly different way but that Dallas Tennessee game in the final week of the season is one of the reasons that CD lamb is not necessarily a target for me in 2022 even though I have loved the talent I think the breakout is still very very possible the prices have been rich in a lot of situations, but it was a lot of fun to get him here.
1: Yeah, but it's not just a Tennessee game. I mean, they are at Jacksonville in week 15. They play Philly at home in week 16. A lot of reason to be excited about Philly, but could be some concern about a run heavy team there. It's possible that their whole playoff stretch is not, you know, as offensive, you know, none of those games scream
2: offensive excitement. So I can hear that for sure. Well, Ben. This has been a lot of fun. We got two bonus rounds. You can never go wrong when you get to draft a little bit more. We've gotten our first taste of the Superflex puppy, which looks like just an absolutely fantastic format. I know you and I will be doing some more drafts in that. We'll have some Best Ball Mania drafts. We have some FFPC drafts coming up that we're very, very excited about. We still may do another RotoViz Triflex Dynasty League if that kind of works into the schedule over the upcoming time period. You have a couple of very uh, just thrilling, I think, family events and trips that you have planned. So I'm excited for you there. This has been a lot of fun. Yep, it's been a blast. I'm excited. I'm going to be taking off for uh, a wedding in
1: Hawaii and then a, a fun uh, family weekend following that and <clears throat> over the 4th of July. So those of you who are listening to this, I'm probably in Hawaii while you're listening to it. Sean, let's run down the the full roster. So we have Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields at quarterback. We took DeAndre Swift, Javante Williams, Breesall, J.K. Dobbins, Marlon Mack, Chris Evans, and Hassan Haskins at running back. Our wide receivers were CeeDee Lamb, D.K. Metcalf, Drake London, Sky Moore, Rondell Moore. Always got to get two mores on your team. Jarvis Landry, David Bell, and Wandell Robinson. The tight ends were Pat Fryermuth, Gerald Everett, and Trey McBride. So a fun team. A lot of rookie flair like usual for us. A lot of young second-year, third-year breakout candidates as well.
2: Mixed in Jarvis Landry. What do you think about the overall roster? I love the way this one panned out where we have the good balance across all the different positions. Tight end is a little bit weaker, but we are hoping for some breakout from Pat Fryermuth. I think that he should be the second guy in this offense, right? You have Chase Claypool and George Pickens who probably will have some overlap in what they're trying to do based on kind of the talent level slash experience level of the QBs that the Steelers are likely to trot out. I think that the target depths or the route depths that we're going to be seeing from Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryer probably play into what their abilities are going to be if we can get those red zone opportunities from Friar Muth that we saw manifest so well last season, then he's one of these guys. And then Gerald Everett is someone I have in almost every draft because I just don't understand the pricing there. Then it is a little bit rookie heavy. We have McBride, Robinson, Bell, Moore, London, Haskins, Hall. But in every one of those cases, the value appear to be very good. These are the last guys sort of available based on ADP and so many of these different junctures. We think that these guys are actually a little bit undervalued. So if we're also getting a tiny bit of ADP value, then I think that you have to mix them in here. And while we know that having too many rookies can create landmines that sabotage a team, that's perhaps a little bit less of a concern in a very low dollar entry, high payout type of contest where their ability to outperform ADP potentially gives you a significant advantage.
1: Yeah, I like that. That's well put. And we still have Jarvis Landry to be the veteran presence for everybody and and keep us afloat while those rookie receivers are coming along. I no concern whatsoever about the rookie running backs. Obviously McBride was sort of a hyper-specific situation where we wanted to get that third tight end and we didn't feel like anyone was still available at that point. Even Austin Hooper, who we absolutely love, but just unfortunately had gone off the board. Um, (laughs) Couldn't even get a smile out of you on that one, but the receiver room is the one that maybe it's a, a slight concern. And yet that's why you draft Jarvis Landry, right?
2: Yeah, I guess I'm not worried about these receivers with Lamb and Metcalf early Metcalf being undervalued. And then you have Drake London who. Uh, to pick any particular player and say that they're going to be the Justin Jefferson I mean nobody's going to be a Jamar Chase type of player but even you think back to the previous year and Brandon Ayuk was a guy who just contributed so much as a rookie and it's easy to forget that based on his fallback as a sophomore but recent years have given a lot of scoring opportunities to these rookies. Those players have had very high win rates. The ones who hit, obviously the ones who missed can really take your team apart. You had a guy like Drake London, who probably was the best overall wide receiver in this draft. When you consider his age, when you consider his metrics, when you consider his draft slot, and when you consider the opportunity that he has there with Atlanta, I expect them to be very concentrated between London and Pitt's it's easy to say that at this point because those two players do seem to be so much better than the rest of their options. We'll see how well Marcus Mariota can find them. And then you mix him in with Sky Moore, who a little few more, I don't want to say red flags, but there are contextual concerns about his profile and then his draft slot when you consider a few of the guys who went ahead of him. But he lands in this perfect situation with the Kansas City Chiefs, despite the presence of Juju Smith-Schuster, despite the presence of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who is generating a lot of buzz, could be The guy who replaces those vertical targets that they lose from Tyreek Hill, despite the presence of those guys, Sky Moore, still probably the most upside of any player here. Now, to pick a guy who went deep in the second round and say, okay, he could be the person who scores the 15 points per game over the second half of the NFL season, that's going to be a little bit more into that bold prediction category. But I like him. Ben, I know you like him. Obviously,
1: I thought you were going to say that was the
2: most likely outcome. That's that's bo- that's oh. a bold prediction. Well, it's going to be bold if he scores that many points. But I think that you and, and Pat <laughs> have him as scoring like twenty-five points per game. So you're like fifteen. That Seems <laughs> don't, easy. Don't don't depress me here. I want to think my guy can score. Yeah, exactly.
1: And then you were you are talking about the rookies, and then David Bell, Wandell. Any thoughts
2: on them? Well, these are the two guys who go a little bit later, but I mean, Wandale just <laughs> seems like the most undervalued player in, in terms of across the entire rookie landscape, probably not in all of fantasy, but when you look at what they want him to do, you look at where he was drafted, you look at the opportunity in that giant's offense, you look in, at the potential dynamism that this team could make as they evolve, you know, into the table area. I think you have to put him in your teams late every time, because if he hits at that price, then you're talking about having a full extra like fifth or sixth round pick. And then David Bell as well. I'm on, on record saying he's I'm on record saying both of these guys are going to lead their teams in receiving. That is almost certainly ridiculous, but David Bell They're always talking about him as though they've gone through all of these practices, hasn't dropped a pass yet. I think his skeptics would be like, well, that's fine. But is he getting open and is he getting open against NFL caliber players? And he got open a lot in college. I think he's going to do fine here. Maybe he's just Tyler Boyd. And one of the things that we saw with Tyler Boyd is it actually took the third season before he was able to fully translate what he was able to do at Pittsburgh to doing that same thing with Cincinnati. He's obviously not going super early in 2022 drafts and part of the people in part because of the people ahead of him on his team and so if you say well you could have tyler boyd in two years from this player then that's probably not going to get too many people going but one of the things that we know is it, it could be a year three or it could be game one like it was for Anquan bull
1: yeah i love that i love that we have both rondale and wandale who have been getting pieced together so much, both Sky and Rondo Moore. The correlation between the names and the uh, the types of players they are, and then both Jarvis Landry and David Bell, who David Bell is going to just be the, the the old Jarvis Landry from day one with a you know 25% target per hour run rate immediately. So we've
2: correlated this roster in every way possible. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited. Ben wants this to be the Week 17 show. We do like the roster we've got our rushing quarterbacks lamar jackson justin fields now we just need them to rush for 150 yards alternating as we go through the playoffs so that part of their guys are are knocked out each week of course since this is super flex not just alternating but consistently would be great ben you have any more to add for this team this was a a fun draft and a very nice construction. I no, think. it was
1: fun. We, I mean, we just kind of decided to pull it up. We obviously didn't even know how many rounds there were. We're going to have to think more about strategy, I think. But I, I liked your initial thoughts about the, the one fewer wide receiver position, and we were still able to build a really interesting wide receiver group. When we talk about how rookie heavy it is, I think there's an advantage there where we don't actually – I mean, we're probably not starting more than three in most weeks – and so you're talking about really trying to find the hits as opposed to, you know, ensuring that you're four deep. It's a, it's a little bit of a different equation, I think, there. And so we're really swinging at some players. I really like that element of it. You know, maybe if, if there's one thing we could do different, I, I do kind of prefer to have a third QB, especially with Fields as our second. As much as I love him, I, I have concerns you had mentioned that in similar formats two qb builds do well so i get that and then also you know on the tight end back side i think you made a good point during the draft that with that extra wide receiver spot kind of pulled out the flex gets more important and that tight end spot gets more important you want to get a different differentiator there i feel good about frankly about a running back production which is rare and i do feel good about our ability to get the wide receiver hits to fill those spots if this team doesn't succeed, it's probably because these two quarterbacks don't do enough just with the 2 QB build and then the tight ends is the other concern, right? Do we get enough out of those three? But it's a fun team, and so there's you know a lesson learned, a couple other ways we could think through th- think through it next time we were looking, I know, at Kittle, you know as he was starting to slip, but maybe mixing in an elite tight end with one of those early picks instead of as many early running backs as we took we knew we didn't necessarily need to be as deep at receiver gave us some ability to detour. Maybe we didn't, you know, we're not, we're not so used to detouring from those early wide receiver picks. So a little rusty there, maybe would have liked to, to land a pits or a,
2: a, a superstar tight end, but otherwise I think uh, a pretty, a pretty phenomenal draft. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and we're going to release this one. Uh, Sort of as a bonus episode, but a little bonus episode that kind of comes out at the normal time, because as Ben mentioned, he is going to be in Hawaii, you can get these episodes when they drop, including the bonus episodes by subscribing to the feed. We always appreciate it when you leave us a rating and review. That'll do it for today's Superflex puppy draft at underdog. If you want to draft with us. Make sure you use the coupon code ROTOVIZ. When you sign up, you'll get the 100% deposit match up to $100. I'm Sean Siegel with me as always. It's been Gretchen. You can follow at Yards Per Gretch. Make sure you sign up to Stealing Signals. If you want to join us at ROTOVIZ, you can use the coupon code RB Radio 2022 at checkout to get 10% off your one-year subscription. It's been a lot of fun doing this with you guys. We'll be back with some more drafts and some more content soon. We'll talk to you then.